Mr. H. Perry Horton. We did it. We've reached the end of the Dreaded 2020, the simultaneous longest year and shortest year of all time. I mean, don't don't jinx it. We still have two weeks left. <laughs> See what else can go wrong. <laughs> we may never get Wonder Woman 84. That's I, I want to talk about that, too. I brought you on here so we could kind of recap the year of 2020. Yeah. But I do kind of want to talk a little bit about this HBO Max fiasco. <sighs> Not a fan. Dude, like, I don't know if theaters are going to recover from this. With the the coronavirus, I was like, you know, they're going to take a hit, but we'll pull through. And I, I just, I mean, me and a lot of people just didn't think it was going to last quite this long. No. And, you know, the movie theaters in Maryland are still closed. I mean, I, yeah. I saw Tenet in theaters, but I had to drive all the way to Virginia. And they're, they're close here in Oregon. I've, I've had a couple in my town shut down, like, for, for good. Yeah, there's smaller ones, man. I'm just not yeah. sure if they're going to make it. Like, some of the big chains, maybe, but... Um, but smaller I, ones, when are they going to get second-run movies again? You know? Right, yeah, exactly. And here's the thing that is really kind of disheartening is, you know I'm a theater guy. I know you're a theater guy. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if I wake up Christmas morning and Wonder Woman 84 is at the touch of a button for me for free, I'm already paying for the subscription... Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it rather than driving all the way to Virginia again to see a movie. Yep. So me, as a diehard theater aficionado, if I'm feeling that way, I know everybody else is feeling that way. I mean, you got to consider that we're the only people, we're the only kinds of people who are concerned if theaters survive. Everybody else just wants to see their shit. Like, everyone else is just tired of waiting for stuff. I don't right, think yeah. the average I don't think the average person in a theater cares if that theater is there the next year. They're they're just there for the for the product itself, not for the experience. So I have a lot of friends, uh, which film Twitter refers to as normies, meaning they're just like non cinephiles. It's kind of right. like a I feel like it's kinda of like a derogatory term, but <laughs> <We're> my like, <laughs> my like, normie friends like we're some um, sort of superhumans. Right, yeah. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're above everyone else because we wa- <laughs> we spend more time watching movies. <laughs> but my normie friends are uh, excited about this because they're like, "Oh, great! Yeah, I don't have to go to the theater anymore. That's awesome." And my buddy, he was saying that he's like, "Yeah, man, every time I go to the theater, it's like forty bucks." He's like, "I'd rather just watch it at home on yeah. my couch." I mean, forty bucks and- will get you how many months of HBO Max? Right? What is it? Fifteen bucks a month? I yeah, mean- something like that. So you got like so- two and a half months. Dude, that's that's like not even covering the ticket for uh-uh. you know one screening. Uh uh-uh. uh And it just it sucks. Like the if like all right, say uh like Paul Thomas Anderson's next film, I'm no way gonna sit on the couch and watch that. But if I'm on the fence about something, I'm sitting on the couch, which I'm sitting sucks. On the couch. Like Wonder Woman eighty four, I'm like, is that worth the drive, especially right now when I gotta drive all the way to Virginia? Right. Is it worth the drive to Virginia when I can watch it here for a movie I'm not you know, super stoked about seeing. Right. I mean, you and and but but you've already said it. Like the fact is, you've already paid to see Wonder Woman eighty four. Whether right. you watch it on HBO Max or not, you've paid to see it, and that's going to be the same with everything else Warner Brothers puts out next year. You've already paid for it if you've got a subscription. And if all I have to do is pay fifteen bucks a month, I mean, if you add up just single ticket prices to the movies they're going to release next year, it's more than a year subscription. And didn't we all kind of see it coming when the Coens went to Netflix and Scorsese oh, yes. went to Netflix yes. and now Fincher's gone to Netflix? It's we just like, didn't eh. know it was good. We just didn't know that nature was going to help. Right, yeah. Like this time last year, we were having a similar conversation. Like, I wonder who's going to go to Netflix now? Well, the answer is everyone because no one can get a movie released anywhere else. 
once Nolan goes to Netflix, Ooh. we know it's over. <laughs> it's if Nolan done. ever releases anything outside of a theater, it's over. It's it's done. He's he's the guy. I mean, Scorsese, like his second job is preserving film. Right. And he went to Netflix. <laughs> like, that's the man's job. And I think I think his next one is on HBO, isn't it? Isn't Killers of uh, the... the the Moonflower movie? Is that what yeah, it is? whatever the DiCaprio one is, isn't that a an HBO Max or an Apple Plus? It's something. It's not theatrical. It. Oh, Sophia Coppola, brand new one on uh, on Apple, Apple TV. TV. Yeah, what it, is it's that? Funny. I actually saw uh, The Irishman in theaters though, opening day ooh, at night, nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out of there by about what one thirty. Yeah, man. I was. Uh, I went there with my buddy. He was like, "Hey, man, Irishman comes out today." I'm like, "Yeah, like it'll be streaming tomorrow because it like, comes out a day early in theaters." And I was like, you know what, Scorsese, I gotta, I gotta support him. So it was nine in the morning. We were front row, and I just sat there and drank a coffee for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> How full was the theater? It was kind of full. Uh, I was like the only person under the age of sixty in there. It was a much older crowd. That's weird. Same one I yeah, saw it's Parasite. Nine in the morning. Yeah, I saw Parasite, a matinee, and it was just a bunch of much older people in there. <laughs> Which was awesome, like that a bunch of people went out on like right. a Wednesday morning to see a to see Parasite. Film, but, I mean, that's great. Yeah. That's a, when has that happened? And that was like before Parasite was like cool to like. Yeah, right now that everybody has. Oh, of course, I've seen Parasite. It's my favorite film of the last thirty years. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's. I love Parasite, but that's one thing I kind of hate about it is it's like, it's like the non-film snob snobby movie now. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, right. I watched like a movie with subtitles. <laughs> like Moonlight was a couple of years ago. Oh well, right. Yeah. Subject matter so controversial, but it was beautiful. <laughs> exactly. It's like um, it's like just it's like the first movie they've watched with subtitles, and it just happened it's... to be like an absolute banger. So it's like, so it's it's like make who cares? Filmgoers feel intelligent about film. Exactly. It's, it's like when, it's, your it's, brother, when your buddy watches one Wong Kar Wai movie, and then that's like all he talks about for the next yeah. seven years. <laughs> it's funny, man. Like talking about all these 2019 movies, like The Irishman and Parasite, I realized how great last year was compared to this year, film wise. Last year was great, I, dude. I really didn't have, I'll call it a top five until like two weeks ago. Same. I, Same. I just didn't feel comfortable putting anything in my. Top no, five, it was going to be a uh, it was going to be a, a five favorites yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to like the, because there was no way I was going to think that like The Invisible Woman was the best film released right, yeah. this year. <laughs> Mine was kind of like these are the five movies I didn't like fuck around with my phone with when I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched <laughs> these movies. They they held my interest long enough, but yeah, but it's you're right though. It's not until December that I, I think like half of that half of my top ten list even came together. Right, and it's, it's crazy, man, because if you were to show me this list, you know, n- not knowing about COVID or anything, at the end of 2019, <laughs> I'd be like, wait, what? Like, Did, did I dude, have a stroke? Christopher Nolan, David Fincher, <laughs> Denis Villeneuve, none of those guys. Well, Villeneuve got pushed, and then pushed. Nolan and... Uh, I, you watched Tenet last night, correct? I, I did. What did you think? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that there are two Tenets. I think that there's Tenet, the movie, which is like the physical product, the 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 thing that was made, and I think that's incredible. I think the 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 work he's done as a filmmaker is is really remarkable. Um, and then there's Tenet, like the story, and it was just sort of it. You know, I think it's inevitable that you're going to compare it to Inception. Um, but like, I left Inception thinking about the concepts of Inception. 
I didn't leave Tenet thinking about anything. Like, it, like I, I think I wrote last night, like, it was just like primer made for $200 million. I felt the exact same way, man. When I left Inception, and it's kind of cliche to say now because it's like Inception's no longer like a cool movie to like right. because it's one of those movies that uh, quote-unquote normies flock right. to. right. You know, it's a cerebral movie that, you know, is somewhat digestible. Mm -hmm. But I remember driving home from Tenet, and, or not Tenet, uh, Inception, and that was all I thought about. Like, yeah. what did I just watch? Like, I thought about it all the next day. I went back and saw it two more times. I didn't think about Tenet again after I left the theater. I, I, I Like I said, I drove all the way to Virginia to watch it, and I just felt so empty afterwards. Because, like, that was supposed to be the movie that was going to save 2020. Right. <laughs> and it just didn't. The the word empty is is, I think really apt because that's I, that's how the movie feels like it it for all of its like posturing about about this and that and good and evil like it just felt sort of soulless, like it is not that the characters were bad it just I, I don't know and I was ex I was told to expect you know you're going to need multiple viewings to understand it that I, I don't I don't understand why it seemed pretty. I mean, I understand it by the by the time the dude just locked his fingers together. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And it's Tenet. Oh, okay, and that's it. It's very technically impressive, like all of Christopher Nolan's movies are. But it just, I can't even like. I did a whole episode on this. Like we 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 all watched it, and we were just so disheartened by it. It's something that like they say it's one of those movies that you know merits multiple viewings. Like I, I agree because I it didn't click with me like it did with you, but I just don't have a desire to watch it again because right. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. Like I've enjoyed every Christopher Nolan movie extensively, even um even following. Like I I yeah. think I I I said that I put Tenet right above following at the bottom of uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, rankings because Absolutely. following is just so hastily made. As you know, he's just getting his feet wet. It's almost a stupid film. I, in, I think I enjoyed like the story of following better than I did Tenet, but it did, you know, it doesn't have the spectacle. So that's why, you know, I, I give Tenet the slight edge just because it's a big spectacle film and, you know, it's a, you know, big budget professional movie, but right, man, I, for me, I think it, and again, just going back to Inception, which I hate is the base comparison, but it's going to be because I mean, like, you know, right. you, you got to do it. Inception was a puzzle. And, you know, in that it, it required your engagement, like it, re it required the way you think about it. You know, we all have different interpretations of the ending and of various other parts of the movie. Tenet is not a puzzle. It's a lecture. It's, it's Christopher Nolan talking to you about what he thinks about time travel, et cetera, for two and a half hours. And there's, there's just there's no real way to engage with that the same way you can. I mean, he doesn't even give us people's names for the most part, which, you know, is, is fine. But it does create a certain distance from the beginning. Yeah, and uh, on when we did a review, Ernest said something along the lines of, "If you're gonna make a puzzle box movie, you have to at least give that payoff at the end." Right. So right. Inception, it's very ambiguous, but the payoff is that top starting to kind of tip at the end, right? Right. Tenet That's doesn't really have that moment. Nope. It just it wraps it all up for you, and then movie's over. It's just yeah, like, oh, and I, there it is, and then. And I just didn't care enough to like to figure it out. I wasn't invested in it. Like I remember seeing Inception opening night, and that was one of the best theater experiences ever. I remember that uh, that collective gasp at that cut to black. Mm -hmm. Like that was one of the best, like most <gasps> yeah, invigorating right? movie experiences. And that dude, that's another thing we're gonna lose if we mm -hmm. we're sitting here watching shit on HBO Max. Yeah. Like I'm the not gonna be seeing it with an audience. The the yeah, feel gonna... of you know that collective emotion. 
hang out with my damn normie friends and have them <laughs> ask me a bunch of questions the whole time. <laughs> Shut up. So, all right. So we both weren't super high on Tenet. I, I, I follow you on Letterboxd, and I know we're going to disagree on this one because you know Fincher's my boy, and Fincher released one this year, and it just it didn't, it didn't do it for me, man. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the same defense that I used for Tenet, but I'm going to use it the other way, in a positive way. Uh, I think there are two movies. I think there's, there's what Fincher did technically, which is really, really impressive. I love yeah, the yeah, for sure. and the sound and the score. But again, for Fincher, it's, it's not what you expect. Like there's not the, I, I'm not sure I needed a, a historical thriller from, or a historical you know period piece from, from David Fincher. That's not what I go to a, a Fincher film for, and I mean, and that's not fair to pigeonhole him like that. But when you got a brand that strong, you know, you got to do a little service to it. That was essentially my review. Is I was like, this is a great exercise in like a what if scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, what if Paul Thomas Anderson made a musical, or what right. if Tarantino made a sci-fi film? That's all fun things to talk about on film Twitter. I, <laughs> I don't really want to see it. Like, Ooh, <laughs> it's no fun to talk not. about and think about, but. Like if you, that's something that would be a fun. What if? What if David Fincher tried to uh, make a classical Hollywood movie? Yeah, this, like this would be great. This would be a great <laughs> answer to that question. I just wish that he had, and it's, especially since it's the first thing. And I know we've gotten Mindhunter and what else, but it's the first feature we've gotten in right. six or seven years. You know, yeah, and, man, it, and it, how many more are we gonna get? You know? I, I just—I I don't know how you felt about it, but I didn't feel attached to really any character no. in that movie. No. I guess the most I felt for a character would be uh, Amanda Seyfried's character. But yeah, sure. I, I really didn't give a shit about the titular character of Mank, no, played by uh, Gary Oldman. He—I mean, it's a—it's his—it's uh, another darkest hour performance. Sure, for but me. like, it's just I'd be really pissed if he wins. I hope he doesn't because he shouldn't have won for Darkest Hour. That should have went to have. Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread. And since and since he's already got that one out of the way, we don't need to give him another one, especially not for this. Not when Riz Ahmed's out there living and breathing. Right. Speaking of which, that's we, we were both going to agree on this movie. Uh, <sighs> Sound of Metal is fucking awesome. Fucking great. I didn't even Dude. know. I didn't even know until I sat down to watch it that it was based on a, a Derek uh, a Derek Cianfrance story. Right. Yeah. 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 Man, does it feel like one, but just in a... I loved it. I loved everything about it. It definitely had some, like, Place Beyond the Pines vibes. Some blue valentine there in the middle. Yeah, so uh, I'm a drummer. That's, like, next to movies. Music's my big thing. So Whiplash is one of my all-time favorite movies just, you know, for having, you know, the, the drum story. And I love watching musicians stories so that's why like inside lewin davis is one of my favorite movies ever even though that's guitar i still relate to the musician aspect of these stories and man that one like i was just thinking about it because before covid playing music was like half my income so i do video editing and then i play in a cover band where we you know play out of bars twice a week so it was like every weekend that was my my gig and then covid just was like nope not doing that anymore so uh I kind of like, obviously, I'm not comparing not being able to play to losing my hearing, but (laughs) I felt, I know it's a completely different ballpark, but I felt for this dude with having something that you love taken from you. Absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think that that's, that's more poignant this year than it, than it might have been to in another year. Um, And I think, you know, I, 
outside of uh, outside of what's the outside of Green Room, I have a hard time thinking of another movie that's done such accurate justice to road life. Right. Yeah. Um, like it's funny because it's funny you mentioned Green Room because that's kind of this uh, similar tone mm-hmm. to um, Sound of Metal because most of the time it's almost done comedically. Right. Like the like when I think of like you know rock star movies, I think of things like. Um, Either like School of Rock or The Rocker with uh, Dwight Rain from Will- The Office, yeah, yeah, Rain Wilson or um, uh, Rockstar with Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Which are some of my favorite movies in high school, just because I was like learning the instrument, yeah, and sure. they were just so fucking cool back then. Like Rockstar was like the coolest movie ever, and I <laughs> I recently rewatched it during a uh, during quarantine. It's I'm like, wow, cool. this sucks. <laughs> is it is it Jennifer Aniston? That's the <laughs> yep yep yep. There's a scene in Rockstar where Jennifer Aniston pierces Mark Wahlberg's nipple to "Are You Ready" by ACDC. <laughs> I I hope that's on their career highlight reel. I, I was just sitting there watching it. And I was like, oh, man, high school me thought this scene was, like, sexy and, like, really cool. <laughs> Imagine being and the I'm like, that wrote it. Yeah, that dude also, that's a movie that would not hold up very well today. No. There's a few things in there that I won't get into them, but there's a few things that I was like, oh, a couple of face cover moments. Like, oh, wow, that's... <laughs> Most films in the 90s wouldn't hold yeah. up real well Well, they got away with something there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Sound of Metal, man, it's um, it's very kind of uh, intimate, I guess is the right word. It is. Yeah, and it's very, very subjective to uh, Riz Ahmad's character, which that's is... That's what uh, I like, though. I like that the intimacy was so one-sided. Right, um, yeah. Especially since it was like, it was a like his his whole conflict comes from his intimacy with the music and his intimacy with you know her and and but the fact that we got it so isolated into him i mean for the majority of the film he's the only person on screen at least in the right, middle yeah. of it yeah, he really it's, it... carried that thing just i mean he's been you know he's been great I, I i didn't see him until until nightcrawler that was the first time i remember seeing him Oh yeah, he is in that. I completely yeah, forgot about that. I thought you were gonna say, uh, yeah. And then, then the night of came after that. I was gonna say, yeah, the night of. That's I think that's where I got. Well, I guess Nightcrawler was first, so that was it. But uh, I loved the night of. Oh, he was I'm, so good in that. I'm not a TV guy either. Like I, I rarely, really rarely get series. into anything episodic. And that one, so, dude, I marathoned the whole thing in like a day. I was like, I gotta get through. That this. thing was great. I, yeah, I loved it. I'd watch, I need to watch that again. Truthfully. You know who else is great is I, I don't know his name, but the um, the actor who plays sort of his like teacher mentor figure with the ponytail. Oh, oh, the guy at the like at the home. Yeah, he's actually deaf. Oh, is he? Yeah, I knew that the the I saw a profile on the guy uh, who they who they use as the teacher who's teaching him how to, you know, when he's in the group and he's got the. The guy's a real teacher, I think, who worked with Riz like beforehand, teaching him how to, you know, perform this way. Yeah, it's um, it, you really feel his frustration and what it would feel like to lose your hearing. And it's, I even said something to you over the Skype chat because we were having technical issues, so you couldn't hear me, <laughs> but I could hear you. And then it switched, and I was like, "Wow, this is like you know the scene where they're like typing to each other." I was like, "God, like, how frustrating." <laughs> We did it for like two minutes. Very sound of metal. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that was. I mean, that was great. The what? The sound in that, like the way that they. Oh yeah, yeah, really yeah. Put you in it. 
was just yeah, remarkable. The, dude, the scene where he, um, I guess, mild spoiler alert, uh, where he gets the the implants, where they turn them on. Oh man, I was like, no. That was that was such like an emotional gut punch that I wasn't. I just wasn't anticipating not only that it was going to be like that, but I was going to, that, that I personally was going to feel like that when he heard it. I just didn't think they were going to go that way. Like that's no. just not the way I saw it going, but I guess I should have known being, you know, yeah, I mean, based these on yeah. these things don't end, don't end happily. Yeah. He's not going to have a happy ending. <laughs> um, so I'm very into like closing shots, you know, running the account and mm-hmm. being in, involved in this kind of thing for so long. I find myself guessing like when the shot comes, like, all right, this is going to be the closer. And when they got to the closer of that movie, I just went, this is it. This yeah. Is the uh, shot is going to end on. This is and it. Then, you, you, he was holding, he, the way he was just holding his head. Yeah. I was like, oh God, any second, they're just going to, they're going to do something and they're going to cut to black. Just cut to black. It was Speaking beautiful. of great closing shots this year, have you seen Black Bear yet? No, I want to. Okay. So. That's the Aubrey Plaza one? Yes. So, Black Bear is currently my number one of 2020. That's my favorite so far. Really? Yeah, and, all right, last time you were on, I made a recommendation to you, and I failed. I said, Perry, I think you're going to love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I Yeah, okay. I came around a little on it. I've seen it a few more times. All right, great. But also, I say that to everybody, so... <laughs> Don't feel too bad, but I was like, you're you're gonna love this movie, blah blah blah, and uh, you ended up being kind of indifferent on it when when you first watched it. All right, so I'm gonna go on record on the podcast right now, and I'm gonna bet my reputation Ooh. that you will love Black Bear. All right, I think it's right up your alley. I can it's, dig that. Uh, it's very meta. It's got some uh, sort of Lynchian elements in it. Nice. It, it's wild, man. It's I. I went into it completely blind. Didn't watch a trailer. Didn't read a synopsis. Yeah, I don't. I, all I know, I've seen a poster. I think. Okay, so I'm not going to give anything away, especially for uh, people listening that that want to watch it. But it's essentially a movie divided into two parts, and once it goes to the second part, you're going to be like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> it's huh. just going to throw you for a loop, and it's wild, man. Do you know who did it? Like, who's the so I had never heard of the director. I'm going to look it up now so I don't get it wrong. But when I went through uh, their other films, I hadn't seen any of them. So it's directed by Lawrence Michael Levine. Mm-mm. And his only uh, other two films are Wild Canaries from 2014 and Gabby on the Roof in July from 2010. I've never heard of those movies. So, he uh, huh. he he was a writer for something else, and he was an actor in a few films. Maybe he did some TV stuff. Letterbox really only shows the movie stuff, but dude, it's it's wild. I think it's right up your alley. But my review for it, it was just super simple, one sentence: Give Aubrey Plaza the Oscar, you cowards. She's so good in it. Oh, dude, like oh, oh. Really? mind-blowingly good. Yeah, really? so. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to give anything away, but during part one, I was like, yeah, she's, she's good. Like she's kind of taking on a serious role here. Cause I always view Aubrey Plaza as, you know, uh, the girl from parks and rec. Right. It's, so, a, yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah. So, and then some of her like, you know, sillier movies. So I'm watching this and I'm like, Oh wow. She's, she's holding her own here. Like it's, it's nice to see her kind of do something a little more serious. She's dark, man. She's got good potential. 
when the second part of that movie comes, it's like it's literally a title card, and you know you're in part two now. And when part two comes, holy hell, does she go off the rails? See, I, ever since ever since Legion, I knew. Yeah, I've been wanting to see her do something really just off the hook, unhinged. Because I think Dude, she's got it. She's got. There's that. a scene like, all right, they won't do it because they suck, but. If the Academy were to nominate her, the scene that they would use as the little clip to play when they show the, the nominees would be about 10 minutes before the movie ends. And anybody who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. As soon as you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I was just like, I was staring through my fingers, man. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, shit. Also, side note, she there's a scene where she gets drunk in the second part. And it's the best drunk acting I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've seen her act drunk before. She's very, very good at it. She's very good at it. Dude, it's so good. Wow. But that's... yeah, man, it's 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 definitely my favorite of the year. I, 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 I don't know if anything... Uh, I'm trying to think what else I need to see that might you know knock it out of its spot. Right. Um, Clooney's new one, but I've been hearing very mixed things about that. Yeah, mixed things about that. I've heard Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is good. I haven't seen that either. Um, my number two right now is uh, is Kajillionaire, Miranda July's oh, yeah. new movie. Really enjoyed that. Um, which I I didn't. I've only seen one other Miranda July film, which was um, was it You, Me, and Everyone We Know? Me and you called? and everyone you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't one, the future. I think that's the other one. I wasn't. I wasn't high on You and Me and Everyone We Know. No, um, me neither. I, I I I had only known of that movie from that infamous. Uh, the poop scene with the kid <laughs> back and forth forever. Yeah. I think that's on criterion now. It is. Yeah. So that was like a meme on like film Twitter for a while. So, so that's the only reason I'd heard of the movie. So I watched it because of that. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's just, it just like, wasn't for me. I was just like, yeah, yeah, all right. No, yeah. I, I, I see how this movie, yeah, I see how it has an audience, but I'm just, you know, I'm not the, the demographic that guy. For this movie. And so when Kajillionaire came out, I wasn't sure. And, Kajillionaire doesn't really double down on that quirkiness like you know her previous film, but it's it's there. But Kajillionaire, Kajillionaire is also just like a, a tight, well written, yeah. solid movie. She's a, I mean, she's. I think that's her forte above all else. Like she's a great writer because I think she's done novels and and essays, and she's one of these. You know, I hate to use the comparison, but just for not in terms of talent, just in terms of breadth, she's like a, a Lena Dunham before that one of those people who can write in every medium has a very distinct right yeah yeah you yeah. know perspective like, yeah I'm, I'm not a fan of hers either but like you can't deny that she's put out some good stuff another good use of riz ahmed though if you if you didn't see girls she uses him very uh, well okay. in the final season also didn't girls kind of bring uh adam driver it, to it the spotlight broke him so. you know, in terms of in, you know in terms of us in terms of the the, the movie or the you know the content watching public yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 I think mean, he started um, up in some bomb back films after that. Okay. Like while we were, when we were young or. We right with Ben Stiller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, Kajillion Air Man, it, it's, it's super fun. It's like I said, it's very quirky. Like. I, th I think that this is the year. And, and I think if there's one good thing that comes out of this year is that I think that like my list in particular, it sounds like yours too, is made up of a lot of smaller films that wouldn't have registered on that list in, in a regular year i might not have seen or given as much focus to I, mean, I got a lot of of really small films this year that that really just 
blew me away that might have just gone under the radar. You were talking about uh, Arby Plaza, her um, her romantic partner, Jeff, I, I believe it's Baina. Um, he directed a film that was released on uh, Netflix at the beginning of the year. It was written with Alison Brie, starred Alison Brie, Horse Girl. So it's funny. I was going to watch that today because I saw you were high on it, and I was going to try to get it in in time, and I didn't have time by the time I finished up my work. Everything you said about Black Bear, I would have said similar about Horse Girl. It's very bizarre. It's very unexpected. It takes a lot of Lynchian twists, and it shows you Alison Brie in a way that, that I don't think that a lot of us... Like, Glow does a lot to show you her dramatic side, but there's a real, like, vulnerability and fragility to her in this that's just it's really mesmerizing if i remember correctly this is off the top of my head but i remember your review on letterbox and this is the only reason i wanted to watch it was like maholland drive the neon demon mother horse girl yes yes that, that is a, those all three of those all three of those are feel very much influential to to this story it's, it's, just, it's funny it's man phenomenal. like I was literally, I had it in my queue for today and I just, I just ran long on work and I was like, ah, I'm not going to have time. That was so, really, that was really one of the best ones. I mean, even having seen it in February, like it's still at the end of the year, it's still, I think about that. I thought about that more today than I thought about Tenet when I just really? saw that. So what, what I did is I went through your letterbox to see what you had watched in 2020 to see like where we had some overlap. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we don't, we didn't really plan out what we were going to talk about today right. besides, you know, just the year. One that I didn't get on my letterbox that I wanted to shout out was, uh, uh, she dies tomorrow. I haven't seen that. It's the, it's Amy Simons. The, uh, I believe I'm saying that right. She's the girl who did, um, upstream color with Shane Carruth. Okay. Yeah. 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 I believe that they're in her, I believe that they're involved. I think they, you know, work off of each other. Uh, really great sort of, um, you know, psychological thriller with a lot of pandemic themes to it, just sort of by chance. It's on Hulu. But she's a part of that sort of that New York collective that came out about 10 years ago with with um, you know, the fellow that did uh, Sean Durkin, the guy who did Martha, Marcy, Mae Marlene, and, uh, and Antonio Campos and... Um, Brady Corbett, those guys. Just a nice, smart, sort of taut little cheap thriller. That's like what all my favorite movies have been. Have just been these little tiny ninety-minute, right, short movies. Like that's you know very mostly very simple. Like would likely ne- probably not crack the top fifteen in like a regular year. Yeah, like just for very instance, simple uh, stories. This movie. Have you? Did you hear of Spree? I heard of it. I didn't see it. Spree is kind of. Um, it's it's told. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that uh, John Cho movie that came out a few years ago. Searching. Where it's searching, yes. It's told very much in the same uh, narrative fashion as Searching, whereas everything that you see has to be some sort of recording. So right. there's no like omnipresent film camera. It's either he's right. streaming on his phone or streaming on his laptop or something like that. But Spree is about. Um, he, it's like a rideshare app, like Uber or Lyft. So uh-huh. it's called Spree, and the driver, who's uh, one of the guys from Stranger Things, he's just trying to go viral. So essentially what he does is start starts killing his passengers to get clicks, more or less. Oh. So it, it's, it's really interesting, but it's, oh, it's probably a movie I wouldn't have even watched because it wouldn't have been on my radar otherwise. Right. So it's just because I've been looking for things to watch and like, oh, what's out now? Because so many things got delayed that I'm finding all these you know, smaller movies that I you know, wouldn't have checked out normally. That's that's really cool. I haven't heard of that one. I wonder if it's the same people who did 
I don't because I heard that they have a new so. film out. Um, I did just watch Freaky, which is the new That's Blumhouse the, movie. The, the Freaky Friday. Horror yeah, so twist. it's it's like yeah, it's it's basically <laughs> uh, it's essentially uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Freaky Friday meets like uh, it's a lot of references to like the golden age slasher movies. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, homages to like Friday the Thirteenth and halloween and mm-hmm. stuff like that but uh, i mean it's it's fun right now it's 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 within my top 10 which no way it would be otherwise because i'm not really super in to like i enjoy the blumhouse movies like i think they're fun but they're not like not something i you know really go out of my way to watch they're popcorn flicks i mean right yeah you know nothing and but, there's nothing wrong with that like i'm i've enjoyed plenty of blumhouse stuff but you know it's not it doesn't really creep out to vince vaughn crushes it though so I always liked him Dude, Vince Vaughn plays uh, this like notorious serial killer, and then like, like I said, it's a body swap movie. So he swaps bodies with this uh, kind of uh, insecure teenage girl, and Vince Vaughn playing an insecure teenage girl is just wild. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see that being. I mean, he's he's perfectly cast for that for some reason. Yeah, because everyone always views Vince Vaughn as, you know, the, the comedy guy because of movies like Wedding Crashers and Old School and stuff like that. But, I mean, back in the day, Vince Vaughn was a creep in movies oh, yeah. like uh, Psycho and uh, um, Domestic Disturbance. And um, Clay Pigeons. I haven't seen that. It's him and Joaquin uh, back before either of them were big. Yeah, he's really dark in that, too. Yeah, so he, he kind of gets to, like, flex both of those muscles in this movie because, I mean, he's not really he's not really the killer for very long because right, the, you know, the, he's the swap happens. But also, every body swap movie is exactly the same. Yes. it's The, the, the outline is exactly the same, whether it's Freaky Friday or, or Freaky or The Hot Chick or The Change Up. Mm-hmm. They're all exactly the same. It's just you got the, you got the structure and you're just hanging different jokes right. on it. It's, That's yeah, essentially it's just situational. Now he does this in her life. Now she does this as him. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. so even if you want to – like most of them are comedic, but if you want to take it to you know a more dramatic side, like something like Face Off, it's essentially the same plot though. It is. It is. It's just a scientific body swap movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, um, oh, um, Get Out. Get Out's a body swap movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. That's a body swap movie. Technically, yeah. Technically, yeah. Technically, huh. yeah. Huh. Huh, yeah. I was just, I was, you got me like, <laughs> I thinking, like, does it, does it fall into any of those tropes? No. Also, really also, a Blumhouse movie. Am I mistaken? It is. Yeah, it is. Okay. So... All right, if we're going uh, Blumhouse, that just made me think of Happy Death Day, which was directed by the same person that did uh, Freaky. So Happy Death Day. Day. So Happy Death Day, again, it's uh, it's another formula movie, right? Instead of Body Swap, yeah, it's the Groundhog Day formula, the Uh living every day over and over again. Check out the segue going back into my top five of uh, 2020. A movie that did it perfectly was Palm Springs with Andy Samberg. Yep, yep, definitely another one that that makes my top ten for sure. But I, you know, and 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 I didn't expect to like it. I expected it to right. be funny. I expected it to be funny because the people involved were funny. But I mean, like, I roll my eyes when I hear that concept. I'm just like, okay. dude, I enjoyed the hell out of that it movie. I think I, I think great. I watched it twice in a row. I was, was just like, it's hilarious. It, it's smart. So it immediately became one of my comfort movies. I don't know if you have those like movies yeah. you just put oh, yeah. on that make you feel kind of cozy Absolutely. and safe. 
for some reason, that instantly came into the comfort movie discussion <laughs> for me. I can see that. It's it's just yeah, it's just a nice little blanket of a movie. But again, like uh, like I said, me and you are both list guys, yeah. and I take my list very seriously, yes. and I feel like. I got to have somewhat of a highbrow list. So, like, normally I'm like, yeah, I'm not putting an Andy Samberg com- uh, comedy in my top five. I, I, Any other year, probably not. But now I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. There's no rules anymore. Put it in there. If you had, <laughs> if you had told me last December when we were signing off, Perry, next year you're going to have an Andy <laughs> Samberg film in your top ten. I, I don't know what I would think was going to happen to me. It, it is wild, man. Like like I said, I put way too much stock in lists, but like, you know, it's something I, you know, kind of pride myself in and I enjoy doing it. And like looking at my list, I'm just like, oh, wow, like this is strange. Like the fact that Sofia Coppola, uh, Christopher Nolan, David Fincher all came out with movies this year and none of them Major. were in my top 10. Like, get I mean, out of did, town. Would you have ever thought that? That is just so wild to me, man. Like, okay, well, speaking of big guys, though, speaking of some of the bigger movies that that did make it this year, what did you? Where did you land on um, Spike Lee, The Five Bloods? Not one of my favorite Spike movies. Um, it, it's funny. A few episodes ago, we were breaking down our favorite Spike movies. Uh, mine's still Bamboozled. Ooh, yeah. Um, that's easily my favorite Spike movie, probably followed by Do the Right Thing. But, uh, man, this is – I think it's, like, mid-grade spike for me. Yeah. I yeah, appreciated there's... the camera work a lot. I thought it looked really nice, but it's got I a, like the 16-millimeter uh... stuff. That was yeah. awesome. I don't know, but it, it does feel it does feel awfully disjointed. Um, and there was something about it that, that – there was something about it to me that didn't feel like spike. And I know that that's a crazy thing to say. But there was just – there was something about the direction that just felt – I don't know. Maybe it's that I'm used to seeing him in a in a more confined environment. You know, his films are all, all city based for the most part. Right. Yeah. 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 And maybe That's a good point. likely direct an open area was a little weird for me. Uh, I like I like the performances. I like Delroy Lindo a lot. He's great. Yeah, he's. I think he's probably a shoe in for. I guess supporting actor. Maybe supporting. I guess. I guess that's what they go with. Um, it's funny when you were when you're saying that. I didn't even put it together that Spike released a movie this year because I was yeah, like, right. oh, it just kind of like left my mind and it feels like so right. long ago now that Spike released a movie Spike, this year. Like, a, another really one on Netflix it. though. We just had that conversation. Scorsese, Fincher, Coens, now Spike also on Netflix. All on Netflix. Um, I'm going through my letterbox now to see some stuff that I did enjoy. Um, have you seen um, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, Jim Cummings' new movie? No, I, I, but I want to because I – I I speak to Jim occasionally on online. He's another one that we we used to run a lot of his a lot of his short films. We we ran back in the day on One Perfect Shot, um, and I, I I contributed to the first one to Thunder Road when he was making that into a feature, which is just rad. Uh, Thunder Road's know. awesome, yeah. So you know how Thunder Road has that sort of unique brand of humor. It's mm-hmm. like kind of uh like jody hillish yeah. to an extent yeah. i guess but like a little more um sort of like more s- on the quirkier side i don't, like I don't know how to funny yeah 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 like i don't really know how to describe it so um i went into uh, wolf of snow hollow completely blind like didn't watch a trailer read a synopsis or anything i just saw it was jim cummings i was like great i like thunder road i want to watch this and it's that same tone but you're combining elements of horror and like werewolves Ooh. it's wild yeah I so think i think he's yeah, got I a, think you dig he, it. he has a nice cast for this one i know that he's 
I know that he's fundraising for a next for his next one now. I think I think he's got a good shot at being being sort of a sort of a uh, almost like a, a in a in an Edgar Wright Taika Watiki sort of school, but you know, uniquely American. Almost like, you know, if, if Fargo wasn't made by the Coens. Jody Hill actually might be like a good comparison who's had, you know, a, a good, similar. He's good. Yeah. I just don't see. Yeah. But I, I think of stuff like um, there's some throwaway Jody Hills, though. Like the right. Sarah, well, not throwaways, just like some journeyman Jody, Jody Hills. Yeah. 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 Like uh, I, gigs. I, I think Eastbound and Down is, dude, it might be my greatest. It might be my favorite show of all time. Vice Principals. It's, I still really, really love. Yeah, because then it's like, all right, what if we took Eastbound and Down and added Walton Goggins? Which you add Walton Goggins to anything, it makes it significantly better. You can add Walton Goggins to Little Women, and I will go see it. Oh, so speaking of Walton Goggins, uh, I watched this just because Walton Goggins was in it. Uh, Fat Man, have you heard of that? This is the Mel Gibson Santa Claus Mel Gibson plays Santa Claus, and Walton Goggins plays plays the hitman hired to assassinate him. Walton Goggins is we're not using him like he deserves dude well you can just imagine how that goes like I, I, I can't, I can't. That, that should just be the log line for the movie is Walton Goggins is hired <laughs> to assassinate Santa Claus played by Mel Gibson in parentheses that gets the price of, that gets my, my my ticket money I think he's so great though I wish that he was just much much bigger um, still going through my list, uh, just under those films, I have, uh, Arkansas, which I think you also watched. I really like that. I like that Dude, a lot. Arkansas was dope. And I was surprised. I thought that was cool. I, I mean, I like Clark Duke as an actor. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was a funny dude, but this was, this was really smart. It was taught. It felt, it felt very true detective in a, you know, in a slightly more quirky sense, just that sort of mid-American crime. Yeah, I'm. I kind of like got. I'm like a sucker for some of those, uh, like the uh, almost like the white trash aesthetic, I guess, like the yeah, early yeah. David Gordon Green type yeah. movies, stuff like that. Um, I just think there's a lot that you can do with that, and you can like, like again, Eastbound and Down uses it perfectly. Yes, like oh, you yeah. can, you can just. There's so much more you can kind of do and get away with when you're using gross characters. Right. I liked Arkansas a lot. I. uh Again, another one that like I, I'm not sure if it would have if it would have hit my radar. Probably wouldn't have watched it because I wouldn't have heard about it. No. So like this year, I've just been scrolling through iTunes and like you know seeing all right, what what are the new rentals? Like what can I watch? And that just happened to be one of them. I was like, oh, Clark Duke directed a movie. Oh, let's. I'd, right, I'd watch, watch another one by him. Have you seen uh, Vivarium? With um, Eisenberg. Yes, it's uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, uh, was it Im- Imogen? Is that how you say her first yeah, name? Imogen yeah. Poots. I, I have. I, I know what it is. It's on Amazon, I think. Dude, it's wild. Is like, it? I don't know. I don't know if it'll be uh, up your alley or not. It's very kind of like Twilight Zone esque. If I okay. had to. Yeah. Um, my my review for it uh, it said Ari Aster light. So. <laughs> Because aesthetically, it's, it, it rips from Ari Aster, like, a lot. Yeah. Um, you know how he's got that very kind of, like, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, like, uh, constructed feel and, like, you know, hereditary. It feels like you're looking into a, uh-huh. uh, like, a, a, a diorama. Right, very theatrical. Very... Yeah, so there's a few scenes in uh, Vivarium that kind of, you know, riff off that a little bit. 
And uh, there's a lot of just very bizarre moments in it that I've kind of felt were Aster inspired. But that's nice. That sounds nice. It's interesting. Like it's it kept me entertained. Like, like I said, I didn't like screw around with my phone, which is kind of like that's the nice. you know, I mean, test sign. this year. Yeah. Did you see, um, in a similar vein, did you see the Vast of Night? I haven't even heard of that one. Vast of Night. It's this. It's this fifty set sci fi. I believe it's an Amazon Prime original. Uh, it's on there right now. It's again just this really tight, compact ninety minute feature debut. I believe by the by the director. It's got um, okay. This is gonna be. Do you remember? I don't know. If, have you seen Twin Peaks: The Returns? Don't hate me for it. I just I never I got into Twin Peaks. There's a it's 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 all set in like a like a radio station in like the fifties, and it's sort of a sci-fi alien frequency sort of thing. Just really sharp, really smart. Just again, something I never would have seen, but there was nothing else on. Got good reviews. So who who directed it? You... Um. Uh, Andrew Patterson is the guy who who directed it. Um, yeah, and I got nothing else of him, but he won Slam Dance. Did you see Charlie Kaufman's new one? Oh no! It, dude, that's another one. Just it it did not land for me. See, I read the book before he optioned it, and originally when they optioned it, it was going to be a, a Brie like it was going to be Brie Larson was going to be the girl in it. Um, and I just never really understood how it was going to make a, a decent movie. And when he got involved, I understood even less. Um, and I like Charlie Kaufman. I just, so I like Charlie Kaufman as a writer, not as a director. I like him more as a writer. If Spike Jones is going to interpret yeah. it because I yeah. loved Malkovich and I loved adaptation. So yeah. um, going back to black bear for a minute, I, there's a lot of sort of, adaptation-esque stuff in Black Bear, which I think yeah. you'll dig. So anybody that's a fan of just, like, the art of filmmaking and, you know, filmmaking is, you know, like, just the form of filmmaking is going to dig Black Bear, I think. It, it goes into a lot of filmmaking aspects. But, man, that was just one that I hate to use this word because critics throw this word at some of my favorite movies of all time, but it just felt so pretentious. I love The Tree of Life, but... That's some. That's a word that gets thrown at the tree of life all yeah. the time. But I, I love it. I mean, it gets thrown at the master a lot, and I think the master is one of the greatest movies not ever made. You, the, the, if you if you say that about the master, you just didn't get it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you just I, normies. I feel, I feel that. I felt that way about Anomalisa. I felt that way about uh, Snektki. Like, it dude, just, yeah. It, they, they are. They're just sort of like. I don't know. They're just sort of like the worst extreme of white people problems. It's just like, I really don't <laughs> care about your creative malaise. Like, I just, I can't help you right, with that. Right, so I will warn you that when you start Black Bear, you will get that vibe <laughs> up front. I kind of rolled my eyes for like the first 15 minutes of it. And then once it finds its, you know, footing and kind of settles in, you realize where they're taking it. Okay. And then you realize that it's very self-aware. Once you get into the second part and it gets kind of adaptation esque, mm -hmm. you're like, oh. See, I dude, don't mind I, it if it's a good setup. If it's a good setup, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I hate when an actor is like playing an actor or playing a filmmaker in a movie because I feel like it's like the writer and the director kind of like twirling their mustache a little bit, yeah, like, yeah, yes. oh, you know, this is so Hollywood type stuff. And I just, yes. honestly. I kind of felt a little bit like that with Mank, which I, I hate to say. Yeah. But I saw, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, like, whenever there's like uh, 
so like just to give you a quick rundown, like Black Bear starts off with Aubrey Plaza is a filmmaker and she just needs to get away. She needs to get inspired. So she goes to this Airbnb out in the woods. So I was just like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, uh, somebody writing about a director played by a famous actress who's suffering from lack of creativity. Oh, I got writer's block. I got to go out in the woods. Like, that happens, but it just seems right. so uh, sort of uh, self-involved to uh, dramatize something like that and make it a big issue. And then you kind of see where Black Bear's going, and you're like, oh, okay, like, they needed to do that. Huh. Like, it makes sense to kind of set it up in that way. So I, I won't give you any more on it, but it was <laughs> I was kind of... I was kind of like rolling my eyes for a little bit, and I was like, uh, here we go. But see, I like that. I like it if, if I get... If I start a movie and I think it's going to be stupid or lame, or if I think it's just not going to pan out, if I don't like the concept, and then they make me like it, I respect that even more. I respect that if you lose me and then win me back, especially if you do it on purpose. Oh, man, uh, this is going to be a sore subject for you. I know it is. New Mutants. <laughs> Might be my least favorite of the year. It's, 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 one of, it's one of like three films this year that I gave a one star. It was terrible. I know you're a New Mutants fan, I which I am not. I'm not. I'm not familiar with the comics at all. Uh, even as a non-fan, I hated that. Movie. It was terrible. It's got nothing to do with the comic. Don't don't associate it with anything that I. And when I saw the trailer, uh, what like eight years ago or whatever it was, like I was excited because I thought that the idea of treating it as kind of that sort of Dream Warriors. You know, treating it as treating New Mutants as a horror film was very intriguing to me. I thought that was a very good way to go about it. But uh, and another thing I've said in just the last few days, I just finished reading the last Stephen King book, The Institute, which they're also making into something. I think it's a limited series. That is, if you if you wanted New Mutants to be good, just go read the book. Just go read the the Institute book because it's it's better about children in captivity. But this one was just it was empty. It was no character development. It was just lame. It was just a lame movie. Like everything about it just felt soft. Like <laughs> who is that? Who is that? Is that Boone? Josh Boone. Yeah. Who did Chronicle? Who did, uh... No, he did uh, the Fault in Our Stars Ugh. and Stuck in Love. I think I watched Stuck in Love. I don't. I think the it's kind of like Stuck a... in Love. Stuck in Love's kind of like a coming of age movie. I think it's. I think it's okay. I, I, I haven't seen it in forever, I but. Know. Uh, the only two movies I have below New Mutants on my 2020 rankings is uh, the Impractical Jokers movie, which is barely a movie, so <laughs> that, that doesn't even count. <laughs> and then uh, this one, just because I couldn't even finish it. Uh, dude, I never, ever turn off movies. I sat through Hubie Halloween, which is just right above New Mutants, <gasps> and I had such a hard time Ooh. doing that. But how, how to build a girl with... Um, uh, Beanie Feldstein. Oh, is that the one where she wears the top hat? Yes. Ugh. That is that is currently my least favorite movie of 2020. I, I had to turn it off, man. I paid like six bucks to rent it, and I got like 30 minutes in, and I said, I, I, I can't do this. Like, this is That feels like a movie painful. that wasn't going to get released until Booksmart did well. Maybe. Like, that, that could be it. Because it, it, it was so, like, I got to the point, like I said, I never turn off movies. Because I always, you know, I always want to give my letterbox review and, you know, give people recommendations or whatever. And I finally got, like I said, 30, 40 minutes in. I was like, I would be much happier if I wasn't watching this movie. <laughs> so I fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, I was like, I'm done. Like, this is this is absurd. So, 
That one's, uh, like I said, just under Impractical Jokers and New Mutants for I had, the worst. I had three others that were um, that were one star for me. Two of them I shouldn't have watched in the first place. One of them was the, the Will Ferrell Eurovision. Oh, uh, was it Downhill or something? Oh, no, not the not the the one with oh oh the you mean uh, Rachel McAdams? Yes, I I dude I got I didn't even log that one because was, I only made it five minutes. It in. was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> and then this one I was disappointed by because I wanted it to be good. Uh, the Lovebirds with uh, Kumail and Issa Rae. Okay, it was yeah, another Netflix I, I, one, just a little romantic comedy, but either. it just had. They had very Dude, little when, chemistry, which was weird. When Netflix goes straight up comedy for their original releases, it never works never out. Never good. No, that's so if Nef- what eighty billion dollars to Adam Sandler. Right, like if they're like a Netflix comedy, if it's going to be like Bombok, like yeah, I'm it, sure it's going to yeah. be great. But I mean, that's quote unquote comedy. You right. Know, it's, but if it's, it's like comedy dramas, if it's popcorn comedy, it's going to be horrible. Dude, like there's just not a lot of good popcorn comedy out there like not, uh, palm springs not. is the exception i mean yeah. that was a, that was a great straight up comedy movie my but, like for me the most disappointing movie of the year and this is a little embarrassing to admit uh but i i gave this film one star and i am it is it is a part of a franchise uh and i am eternally devoted to the first two films but i, I just couldn't get into oh uh, is it bad boys yeah <laughs> dude all right so this is yeah. something that we'll agree and disagree on because I love Bad Boys. I think Bad Boys Two might be my favorite action movie ever. It's it's a it's like it's the template. It's like it's to the '90s what Commando is to the '80s. Like every cliche is in one place, dude. So I loved uh, Bad Boys Two, and then Bad Boys for Life came out, and I'm always very hesitant when they uh, kind of try to you know reignite a franchise because it just usually doesn't work. I enjoyed Bad Boys for Life. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first two, but for a while I had it as my number one of 2020 because I hadn't seen a lot, and I was like, I just enjoyed this one the most. Like it made me laugh. They crystal felt like my opinion, dude. Well, I, I keep mine. I saw it in theaters. I was I was having a good time. It was one of the last time I was in theaters before lockdown. So I'm sitting on my couch and like. Yeah, April, drinking beer, going like, how long is this going to last? Yeah, so there's a lot of things like I, I hated them working in the sun, uh, Will Smith's son thing that was dumb. But I just very much enjoyed hanging out with Mike and Marcus again, and I think that's what kind of like kept it high on my list. It was nice to see the two of them together again, and I love seeing Reggie again because. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like people aren't going to appreciate how much I really like Bad Boys Two. Like Bad Boys Two is this this huge inside joke with like me and my crew. I got a Mike Lowry tank top in the washer right now. I just wore it this weekend. I really really like Bad Boys Two, and we reference it so much. Like certain members of my crew refer to each other as Bad Boys uh, characters. So I I unfortunately always get stuck with Reggie. You know everyone like shitting on me. So seeing Reggie, seeing Reggie in the that scene in the hospital, man, that was like it was just this big like nostalgia pull for me. I was like, oh, Reggie's back. It was. I don't think. I think if it had been a standalone, I wouldn't have disliked it as much as I did. I think I just I, I just couldn't get back into the groove the way I wanted to. I wanted that movie to be so good. I like. I really wanted Bad Boys like three, but it. Hmm. Also, how absurd is it that they're making a fourth one and didn't save the title Bad Boys? For life for what? the fourth movie. I mean, what? I, it, 
Bad Boys 3 is a fine title. It's a fine title. We could... Why did they skip the opportunity to make it 3D? Why? Yeah, Bad Boys 3D. 3D would have been the most absurd. It would have been like Crank on Bad Boys, and that would have been awesome. Dude, yeah, like, exactly. It's, I don't know. I did enjoy the Michael, uh, Michael Bay cameo. Yes. I, that was fun. Did you see? No, no, that's a last year film. Never mind. I was going to just say Which Six one? Underground. That was his last one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I think I just recently watched that. Uh, another one that was very similar to that, I think, was because I always get the two of them confused. So there was like that slew of Netflix action movies. So it was like Six say. Underground, The Old Guard, and Extraction, action, I think. Yeah. Uh, I get confused. N- like, yeah, like uh, Extraction, I think, was probably the, the bottom of the barrel yes. there. That yeah, one was I very. Ugh. That one was terrible. Dude, so, so paint by numbers. It really was. It was just, it was, I started to watch it again, and I got like three minutes into it. I was like, oh, no, uh uh-uh. uh. Dude, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I hate to keep using this term, but it seems like Netflix just kind of makes movies for normies. Like, so yeah. many people that I know flip that on. I'm like, yeah, this this movie's awesome. They're just doing it for so, numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it. I mean, it's subscribers. Let's uh, let's do this before we wrap things up. I All think right. we're both probably on the same page with actor this year, right? I yeah, I, Riz. I've I've not seen anything close. Yeah, he's great in it, man. So should we do uh, actress, supporting actress, actor? Yeah. Director, cinematography. Can we pull I, that off? I think we can pull that. I mean, off. I'm putting us both on the spot here. Um, Dude, my, uh, you know my best actress. I already said it. Aubrey Plaza, Black Bear. I know you haven't seen that. I haven't seen it, but again, and I mean, am I going based on what I see or what I think the industry is going to do? Because I think it's pretty much a lock. I, I just mean like your personal pick, okay. not uh, predictions. For, for me, ooh, you know what? I I really liked Allison Brie and Horse Story. I'm going to stand by that. Um, Man, I wish I would have watched that now so we could have. It's, a, it's still on Netflix. You got to see it, dude. I'll check it I'll out. I'll watch tonight, Black Bear. Yeah. You watch that. We'll do another one. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, Black Bear. I think you got to rent it. I think oh, it's yeah. on like yeah, four ninety nine right do. now, though. Um, all right. So, uh, supporting actor. I'm going. I think we're probably both going to go Delroy. Yeah, I the the only one that I had pause on was I was thinking about Sasha Baron Cohen in Trial of Chicago Seven. I th- I think that Delroy for me is the performance that I end up thinking about more often. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost borderline lead. I think that they'll probably market it as supporting because that cast is so big. Yeah, I hope they do. If they market it as lead, he doesn't have a chance for a nomination. Right, yeah. Um, Yeah, so supporting actress. uh, That's a a tough one. That is a tough one. I mean, honestly, looking at my list, the one that stands out the most is Christine Melody from (laughs) Palm Springs. (laughs) Dude, I I was going to throw Seafried in there maybe. Oh, yeah, no, I think she should. I think she should for this because I think that. I mean, she was easily probably my favorite part of that movie. And, so. and I think you would have had a hard time. That's an easy character to play. It's been played before. Kirsten Dunst did it in The Cat's Meow. Uh, it's it, It's been done like that specific character has been done. But I, I don't think you could have gotten anyone to do it now besides her. And I think that's important. I think that she was uniquely suited for it. She's also an actress I just always associate with Mean Girls. Yes. So it was nice to see her kind Unfair of, you know, that, get some dramatic stuff. Yeah. I think we all link her into to funny stuff or Ooh, although uh, I don't I don't want to talk too much about it. Did you see The Nest? I didn't see The Nest. Carrie no. Coon was really very good in that. And that would be a supporting role, I think. 
Um, going back to supporting actor for a minute, I'd, I'd maybe throw Bill Murray in there from uh, Sophia's new one, On the See, Rocks. I, didn't, I haven't seen it because I, I don't have Apple. So here's the thing is I don't think you're going to dig it. It's very – for Sophia, it's very by the books. Like, it looks – it, it, it looks yeah, like it does not appeal to me in the slightest. It feels like a TV movie, yeah, and it looks like a TV movie, oh, which is strange because apparently it was actually it was shot on celluloid, <laughs> so it looks very digital for some reason. And it's just, you know, how, like Sophia's early work is so kind of like slow and dreamy, and it just it's got this tone to it. It kind yeah. of like feels like it's wrapping you up, like Lost in Translation, even like somewhere in the Virgin Suicides. This feels like a it's. It, Dude, borderline Lifetime movie. I was going to say it felt like a... It looks like an episode of 30 Rock. Right, yeah, yeah. It just... I don't know, man. It it feels like... I said this about another movie this year, which is Ron Howard's newest one, Hillbilly uh, uh, Elegy. I'm not even going to watch it. I'm not doing that to my so, book for Amy Adams. That that very much feels like a Lifetime movie. Um, This one does in a, a different way, but Bill Murray's great in it. He's always great. Supporting actress, going back to that for a minute, because we just brought up Hillbilly Elegy. I know um, Glenn Close is kind of like a, a favorite for that right now, I think. She's good in it. Glenn Close is never bad, but it's just, it's kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's just kind of like that kind of performance that's like Oscar Beatty. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the like, whole thing feels like that. And that's yeah, probably why it doesn't work as well as it should. Yeah, it's like we're going to have Glenn Close play this kind of, you know, white trash grandma smoking a lot. And, like, it's going to be kind of hard to tell it's Glenn Close from a glance. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just enough <laughs> n- enough of a transformation to get the nod. Yeah, I don't need it. So, yeah. Um, cinematography, you're a shot guy, so. Uh, it's Mank. It's Mank. I was going to say Mes- Mank, too. Uh, Messer- Messerschmitt? So, he, that was his first feature, right? First feature, and there's never been a winner for for best for a first feature. So he's, I mean, it's not like he's a noob. I mean, he shot a lot no, of Mindhunter, and he did all of Mindhunter, I believe. And, but he, he's never worked in features. Um, but I, I mean, that was that was the real star of Mank for me was the look of it, dude. And what a crazy first feature for. Well, he's worked with Fincher, but to right. work with Fincher right. and then have it be like, hey, we're doing this. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, black and white with, with Fincher's lighting requirements and like right. all on a studio set, it looks like. Like, I, I can't imagine. That's, it's, it's just, it's, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Dude, and like, again, man, I wasn't high on the film, but if I were to have to pick right now for best director, I'd probably also go Fincher just from a craft standpoint. I think, I think you're right. I think that's where it goes. I think that's where it goes. If you're, it's going to go. You, you give it to you give it to Craft this year because there's not a really great big film. Uh, so you give it to you either give it to Nolan or you give it to Fincher, and I think Fincher wins. Yeah, I'm not giving it to Nolan. No, I'm still mad at best. him. Not <laughs> yeah, like it, it's. I don't know. Like I, I try to think between those two. I got them like ranked right next to each other. I think I'd revisit. I don't. I don't really have a desire to revisit either of them. I maybe say Tenet just to see if I could figure it out this time around. Yeah. But I think I probably enjoyed watching Mank more. Yeah. I mean, it was a different I experience. I was I was on my couch on like a Friday, and Tenet, I you know drove all the way to the theater. So. I think I, don't know, I it's, give it's it. To, I give it to Fincher, and I think the Academy will too. He needs one. This is the project to give it to him for. 
I mean, like it's got it's got all the makings. You know, Hollywood loves celebrating Hollywood. They love celebrating. Right. You know, they've never given him one. It checks the boxes. He's not going to get one for for anything else. If he if he doesn't get it for this, he won't get it for anything that he does. Like his. Brand he should have got it for it. Social Network. Yes, he absolutely That's should when have. It, what it should have happened. Uh, yeah, just going through my list, like I loved uh, First Cow. We haven't talked about that yet. I like that. Uh, I, I like that. I like Kelly. I Murphy. thought that was very just quaint and enjoyable, but it's you know it's not really. It's got a good shot discussion. at um, The Hunt is another one I enjoyed. Again, yeah. not really in that discussion. Um, let's see. Uh, did you see Ben Wheatley's Rebecca on Netflix? I did not. It's no. not bad. I went in wanting to hate it uh, because Rebecca is, that a, is, is one of. I was going to say, favorite. is that a remake of Hitchcock? Yeah. Yeah, and the, oh, really? the original is one of my absolute... I, I, people get on me for this, but I believe Rebecca is a better film than Citizen Kane. Um, Dude, Rebecca was the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw. It's amazing. It was, it was, I watched it in, uh, in one of my film classes during like a Hitchcock unit. We watched it, and it's funny because that was like a huge inspiration uh, for uh, PTA, for Phantom, Phantom Thread. Thread. Yes, and I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that was the... Yeah, I, I, that is what... I thought was going to be the the best you could do at, at trying to do this again. And I, I'm not even a, a giant Ben Wheatley fan, but I really liked this. Uh, it, it's Army Hammer and Lily James and uh, a perfectly cast Kristen Scott Thomas. Wow. Okay. It's really beautiful. Like it, it, it sort of goes almost technicolor. Like it looks for, it looks more like to catch a thief. It, it it's funny because when it popped up on like my suggested list or whatever, I was like, "That's no way a remake of Hitchcock," yeah. and I kind of scrolled past it. I was like, "It's interesting to use that title, but it's it's probably not that." I think they're I think they're I think the way they get around it is they tell you that they are readapting the novel, but like there's some hitchy shit in it. The only other thing I saw this year that I was particularly impressed was was, was Shirley. So yeah, that that's another one that didn't. Didn't do it for me. I liked man. her in that. I liked her better in that than I did in Invisible Woman. Was it oh, Invisible Man? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought Invisible Man was fine. It's like that. Every, everyone was saying like, "Oh my god, this is an all timer." No. For the horror genre. You'll forget it. I was like, it's yeah, like it's 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 an all timer for the horror genre this year. <laughs> it went you know, so seven like, horror films released. Yeah, so. but. That was one, um, you know, it, it took a unique approach to it. It had some, you know, chilling scenes in it. But I, I also, I did an episode on this a few months ago when it came out. There's just so many moments in that movie that took me out of it. Yeah. That I just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't stick with it. But surely, um, I'm blanking on that uh, director's name right now. Oh, I am too, actually. She did uh, Madeline's Madeline, oh, I think. Oh, which I, which I liked. I Dude, that's another, so I think... I just think that her films aren't for me, I guess. Like, I just, like, that one didn't do it for me, and Shirley didn't do it it's for me. It's a very specific aesthetic. Yeah, and on paper, I should like both of those movies, you know, given a lot of my other tastes, and neither of them. Yeah. Just, they, yeah. they just both fell flat for me, and I just, I found myself getting kind of like, all right, when's this going to be over type type feel. I feel that. So. I like Dark it's, it, stuff. It's funny, because I love Elizabeth Moss, but... uh her last one, which was pretty acclaimed, uh, Her Smell, which came out in 2019, mm. I think. I didn't like that. That one didn't do it for me either. I didn't like that. I don't like a lot of her stuff, truthfully. Uh, I like her. I bet, yeah, like, I didn't like the one I love. She makes, I think she's she's an actress who makes really, really great, like, she's big. She could do what she wanted to, but she's making really smart, small choices, and I like that. I right, mean, I like yeah. the films, but I like what she's doing. When I was uh, 
in LA doing that little stint with uh, cutting trailers. I had to work on some uh, online promos for uh, the Square, uh-huh, uh-huh. which she was in, which yeah. won the Palm d'Or that year. Right. And I just remember getting just so sick of that movie from watching it over and over and over because. So. I didn't like it at first, and then it started to grow on me, and then I just got sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it kind of just right. ran like a full cycle within, you know, like a week. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, she's she's good in it. Yeah, she, she's very good in it. Um, I also worked on a lot of stuff for uh, the Florida Project, which is why that's – that. see, that's one that my stint of watching that movie over and over again. And keep in mind, I live in Maryland. This was in California, so I was just so far away from right. home. I didn't know anybody. So the Florida Project almost became a comfort movie for me because I was yeah. with it every day. And I, like I said, I didn't know anybody. So I was just going into this office, spending hours and hours and hours with these characters, going home, going to sleep, and then doing it all over yeah. again the next day. So I kind of just like developed relationships with, you know, Defoe's character and Mooney and Scooty. I love that movie so much. Oh, yeah. That's, dude, that's, that's the thing, man. It's like I don't, I don't have – like I remember at the end of that year I was like Florida Project and Phantom Thread are absolutely going to be my one and two. They're – phenomenal movies this year we just really didn't get that and dude i don't know man like i know COVID had a lot to do with it i'm not sure if we got everything we were supposed to get it might have just not been that great of a year like i i'm, I'm assuming dune's probably dune's, you know gonna be great I, there's a lot but of things we got pushed that, that could have been good but i also thought tenant was gonna be great and i think the industry is changing in ways that people are gonna put on covid but i think it's stuff that started before COVID. i mean you've you've seen studios take over each other and just absorb you know these giant like disney let's just call it out i mean they've got everything they're gonna control the box office for the next 20 years i mean like i just feel like you're like I, somebody somebody i don't remember what it was but it was from the end of last year it's like you know would you believe that you know at the end of 2019 you can go to the theater to see you know sequels to superhero movies but you got to stay at home to watch scorsese it's crazy. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, the, the 90s, the 90s sort of switched cinema from, you know, the cinema starts out as a, as a, you know, entertainment. The 60s and 70s come along, switch that, make it artistic. The 80s come back, switch it to commercial after Jaws, you know, at the end of the 70s. The 90s come along with the independent boom, switch it back, make Hollywood become more daring. So you get Christopher Nolan, you get Darren Aronofsky. And now superhero movies have changed it back to populism and i mean and that's where we are now we want and, and i think this year helped strengthen populism i think that like like you a lot of people wanted to watch comfort movies this year and i think that'll progress through the next year i think you're going to start seeing bad numbers for big dramatic movies if there are any um yeah i don't know i just don't know where the, the industry is going to end up in a, in a few years it, it's starting to feel that all the good stuff's going to be on streaming Right, yeah, and all the big stuff, and all the big stuff will be in theaters, but it'll also be streaming at the same time. Yeah, and like it's it sucks. Like you know, we we have the uh, the quote unquote saviors. So you know, no, you know, Nolan's going to keep fighting. I'm sure PTA will keep fighting. Uh, so Tarantino will, but he's only going to make one more anyway, and then he's out apparently. So it's just like I was born in the '90s, so I kind of like missed out on like the great era of like uh, you know where going to like a Scorsese movie on a Friday night was like the big, the big thing. Like everyone, you know, was rushing out. I don't know if they were, you know, coming out in droves, but that was what you were likely seeing that weekend. Right. 
And, you know, by the time I was like, you know, had my license and was able to drive to the movies and stuff, that's, it's, you know, it's basically when the Marvel movies came out. Yeah. So. Oh, see, you know, I, can kinda, going, I, I mean, I can, I can remember the buzz around nobody knowing what Pulp Fiction was, but everybody needing to see it. Right. Like, like we're not going to get that again. Slacker came out and like you were just hearing about it from, you know, just like video store people, you know, which we just don't have anymore. But like, that's where you were hearing about this stuff. Yeah. 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 Cause those guys I would would say send the... out their samplers to everybody. They couldn't get them in theaters, but you know, you can get them on the shelves. I would say the closest we've had to that recently would maybe be when, um, when get out was released. That was, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think, yeah. And I think that's going to be a, a shift of, I think that's going to be a representational shift. I think, I think, uh, get out paired with a, a couple of other films like the farewell, um, sort of in a, in a popular take the the crazy rich Asians. I think, I think that those films are going to, you're going to start seeing a lot more, you know, buzz term for this year's diversity, but I think you're going to start seeing a lot more. We're going to start getting a lot more voices than we've been getting. Um, and I think get out winning definitely helps that. Like even, you know, some, like I said, go back to him. I'm always going to mention him a bunch of times every episode, but going back to PTA, he's got a new one coming out next year. Being for my money, the greatest, filmmaker living right now nobody's going to be rushing out except for you know he's got a dedicated fan base but the masses aren't going to be going out to see the movie which is i think tentatively titled soggy bottom right yeah. now no one um, unfortunately a lot of them won't even recognize his name well the thing is he's also he's like get out is kind of like a high concept movie in a yeah. way because you know like you said you kind of got the body swap stuff and you have, um, you know, Jordan Peele, who's a name, yes. and you have, like, the, the horror element, and you had, you know, the race relations and everything like that. PTA is making decisions, which I'm glad he is, because if he wasn't making these decisions, we wouldn't have the master or, or phantom thread, but he's making uh, movies that aren't super appealing to the masses, so... Phantom thread, the trailers did phantom thread no justice, because I think a lot of people that didn't see Phantom Thread because they were, you know, put off by, oh, this is a very boring, dry yeah. period piece that didn't go see it. They they would actually like it because at its heart, Phantom Thread is not only a comedy, but it, it's in a sense it's a romantic comedy about toxic relationships. It's a classic which is comedy. a bit of a stretch. But yeah, it's I think a lot more people, had they had seen it, they they would have enjoyed it. But those pe- people aren't gonna go to the theater to see that unless, you know, people like you or me or, you know, a bunch of other people that are right. probably listening. I mean, I, I remember getting uh, the early screening to see that on 70 millimeter and it was like the greatest thing ever. I like, I couldn't wait. I drove an hour and a half to go do that. Beautiful. And it was, it was beautiful. It was like, I was like, this is, this is wonderful. And it was around Christmas time. So Ugh. it was just a great experience like all around. And I just don't know if we're, we'll have that again. I don't know if uh, those theaters that do those 70 millimeter screenings are going to be able to stay open. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to check in next year and see where we are. So we will check in next year, Mr. H. Perry Horton. Thank you so much, man. I always enjoy talking to you. We seem to be uh, just doing this like once a year at this point. So we got we to gotta do it a little more often because you and I talk a lot on Twitter. But this yeah, is only the second time we've ever actually talked, talked. Yeah, I'm here, man. So, so uh, yeah, let everyone know, know where to find you on the, the social media. And uh, you know you're uh, uh, I'm on the always on film Twitter. I'm, I'm on the Twitter, at H. Perry Horton. I got another account, at Cinema Grids. It's all movie stuff. Give a follow. All right, man. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening.